0: Good day, beautiful, marvelous, miraculous, divine human soul, beautiful family. What a privilege and honor to be with you again. I am sending all of my love, well wishes, good vibes, prayers, energy your way. Wishing you all of the best wherever you are in the world. We have a fantastic epi- episode of the show for you today. We have Dr. Ibrahim Jaffe on and we are talking about uh, his book, God's Way, Sufi Spiritual Healing. This is an absolutely Superb episode. We go into so many different ap- uh, avenues. We talked about Doctor Jaffe's mystical experience, which really brought him into exploring uh, alternative um, methods of healing and, and the spiritual and the mystical, and seeing holy smokes, uh, what's possible if you know beyond just traditional me- medicine. Uh, medicine. We talk about um, disease as God knocking on your door. Uh, why we are here on Earth? The four oceans. The a-P-I-R-T-B method, the seven spiritual stations, uh, becoming soul conscious. We talk about the number one gift that God gave us, the three upper stations, reaching enlightenment, and God is your teacher. This is an absolutely phenomenal episode. I know that you are going to enjoy it. So if you do, please share this as far and as wide as you can, and email and text messages, uh, Instagram, Facebook, tag me everywhere. It is so challenging these days to get the show out with the absolute absurd censorship so we really do I really need your support uh, me personally because it is an absolute battle and just appreciate you guys so if you can leave a review if you can go to mattbelair.com and become a member you can do so by a very small donation or even for free just hit me up matt at zenathlete.com it's the best way to get access to all of the episodes um, uncensored and all of that kind of stuff if you're a patreon uh, member go over cancel that go over to and become a member there and Instead, um, to support the show because it is absolutely bonkers what is going on with these levels of censorship and the most important thing is always if you want to support this show uh, please consider doing three kind acts wherever you are in the world Um, that's the best thing you can do. And also reviews are incredibly helpful. So please take a moment to write a review if you haven't done so um, yet. And for those of you guys who really want a step-by-step master system for overcoming your fear, um, self-sabotage, strengthening your connection with spirit, and really knowing and living your life purpose, your calling, your vocation, who you truly are, you know, your purpose under God, the creator, check out the Soul Compass course. Also, you can check out the Quantum heart hypnosis audios all of that training is designed to help you do that. It is a mix of knowing who you are, applying peak performance principles, um, and developing a strong connection. And if you want to go a step further and you want to work one-on-one with me, or you want to work within a very supportive community that is going to be cheering you on, helping hold you accountable, giving you the best tools, um, and having a group that really wants you to win, hit me up mattbelair.com forward slash coaching and fill out the coaching form and we can do some one-on-one or even group coaching because we are working with some incredible people we would love to have you as a part of that. So that's it. Um, Let's come into a state of peace and coherence before we dive into today's show. Wherever you are in the world, just stop what you're doing. Take in a deep breath in through your nose. Hold that breath and let it out slowly filling every cell, every muscle and every fiber of your being with peace, joy, contentment, courage, compassion, inspiration, strength, And ready to enjoy this phenomenal episode with Dr. Ibrahim Jaffe. Hello and welcome to the Mastermind Body and Spirit Show. I'm your host, Matt Belair. As you know, we are currently overcoming the insane censorship. So if you want to support this show, please share the episodes as far as you can. Um, Become a member at MattBelair.com so you can sign up to the email list, but you can also become a member. Uh, You can do so by free or by donation. But the most important thing you can do is consider doing three kind acts wherever you are in the world today. Today's guest is a physician. Sufi Master Healer and Spiritual Guide, Pioneering Spiritual Healing in the Sufi Way, which is the integration of Western medicine and spiritual practices to heal disease and other sufferings. He travels worldwide teaching Sufi spiritual healing, a heart-based approach to the spiritual healing of illness in the subtle realms, and has taught at the United Nations and Harvard Divinity School. He received his medical degree as a general practice physician from the University of Illinois. He is the author of the international bestseller, God's Way, Sufi Spiritual Healing. Welcome to the show, Dr. Ibrahim Jaffe.
1: Uh, Thank you, Matt. I'm very happy to be here. I'm looking
2: forward to our conversation today and hopefully we'll bring a little light to this world. We need it right now, right?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Well, it's, I'm excited to have you on the show. You know, um I looked at the title and I was like, "Yes, we have got to have this guy on because um you know, I'm so interested that you called it Sufism, right? That's a pron- pronunciation. You know, yes. I'm a, I think a lot of people are familiar with Rumi and uh, you know, I haven't I haven't dove deep into it. So I don't know that much uh, around it, so I'm excited to have you on to educate us and just for those who aren't familiar with your work, you know, can you tell us a little bit about, about your background and what inspired you to write the book?
2: Yeah, well, I, uh, I, I was uh, doing my residency in Chicago, and uh, they brought in a, a Jewish uh, girl. She was seventeen. She had uh, end stage hepatitis. She was dying, and uh, when I, sorry, my series coming on here. And anyways, I ended up being her uh, ICU doctor, and I was watching her go down the tubes um, quickly. And one of the things that was really interesting was that when I would take my stethoscope and I would put it on her heart to listen to her, there was like something really bad came out of her. I didn't understand it at the time, but I remember it would come out, come into my arms and my body, and it was so powerful that I would like literally kind of like, curl up like this and I almost like fall down in pain. It was so agonizing. And, you know, I didn't, I understood there was something deeply wrong here, but I didn't understand what that was because I always, you know, as a doctor, you deal with death all the time, but this was something different and there was something else going on. So um, around that time, the, uh, the Orthodox Jewish community in Chicago spoke to the head rabbi in Jerusalem and he said that there was a healing for hepatitis uh, in the Talmud, which is a Jewish sacred book. So I said, OK, let's find out what that's about. So they uh, the, the rabbis came into the hospital. They were permitted in. They came in with a box of uh, 30 doves. And, uh, you know, I was I wasn't going to miss it for anything. I want to see what's going to happen here. But the uh, the hospital was crazy. I mean, The doctors were furious. The nurses were furious. I was happening to bring these dirty animals into the ICU, but I, I wanted to see what was happening because I cared about this girl. Anyways, they uh, they put the dove on top of the girl's belly button. They did some prayers, and then the dove fell over dead in about three seconds, and apparently what was happening was the dove was pulling out the negativity that was in the hepatitis. It was getting pulled into the dove. The dove would die. and It would take the Disease with it subtly. So I watched them go through 18 doves uh, over the next three hours, and it was actually incredible to watch. And the thing that was most incredible was that the uh, nurse was fixing the, uh, what they call the LevoFed, it's one of the medicines which controls the blood pressure. Every time the dove died, the LevoFed was reduced. And reduced and reduced so as the, you know we were getting actually immediate physical confirmation of the healing going on because of the decreasing of the the blood pressure started coming up the levofed came down everything began to normalize it was incredible to watch around the end of at the 18th bird, she was not healed yet when all the doctors went after the chief of medicine and they said you have allowed you know syphilis you know disease into the ICU. You've got to take these birds out of here now, or we'll you know have you removed as cheap of medicine. So they came in and packed everybody up. The rabbis left. The doves left. They left her in the middle of this healing, which was incomplete. So it was an incomplete healing, but I got to watch something extraordinary happen, which was the transmutation of energy and light through these doves. Albeit they had to die, which was very sad. But nevertheless, you know, they were saving the life of this girl. So that changed my life. After watching that, I realized that there was a whole world. Here we were, you know, in Chicago, one of the best places in medicine in the country. And they couldn't figure out how to heal this girl. And some ancient 3,000-year-old Talmudic dove remedy starts to heal the girl. I mean, that was a pretty powerful statement of, of what we don't know. You know, and I said to myself, if, if I really have taken an oath to heal people and I've just seen something that is extraordinary, that there are other forms of healing that work, then isn't it my obligation if I want to give my parents, uh, my people, my parents, everybody the best possible, you know, physician I could be, isn't it my, my duty to go out and explore alternative methods of healing and bring it back into medicine because i was a doctor i didn't want to leave medicine but i I didn't want to limit it because we weren't healing i mean we weren't doing anything you know there were other things that were helping so i think to find a way to integrate you know the non-spiritual the the spiritual the the healing the alternative the herbs bringing it all together look if i'm sick i want the best chance to heal you know i don't want to be pigeonholed in some you know, put me in this route, you know, and you have a, you know, 10% chance of healing. I mean, what what's the point? You know, it's like, I'd rather be able to open my doors. And maybe there's another chance to help me with the whole process. So that's how it started for me. And I've spent the last 40 years exploring alternative health. I studied with uh Philippine psychic surgeons at my hands inside of people's bodies. I've studied with Mexican shamans and been in the deserts of, uh, Monterey, Mexico. I've been uh, out with the American Indians. I've studied with some of the Apaches, some of the Sioux. I've been in different places around the world, uh, Japanese and monasteries, you know, Tibetan monasteries, learning all types of healing. So, you know, at the end of the day, I found Sufism and Sufism was the pinnacle for me of the whole process. So that's why I've been in Sufism now 25 years, but Sufism was for me, it was the pinnacle. It was the final piece that I needed to put together to understand the healing process, which I think I have understood. Although, be it, I would say nobody ever masters it, but it is a it is a never ending process, but it's incredible.
0: Holy smokes! Well, you know, I didn't I didn't think it was going to start like that. I didn't know that it, it came from you know what what you might say is some sort of like mystical experience or something that's not really understood. And what it reminds me of is I, I read a book. I can't remember what it's called. I think it's, uh, oh yeah, Mad Bear. And a friend gave it to me because I've studied with some indigenous elders too. Are you familiar with the book?
2: I think so. Yeah, I think I've seen it.
0: Yeah. yeah. And so in there, um, you know, he's this, you know, Native American healer, and there's a story where the guy's kind of following him around. He, I think he's a psychiatrist or, or something like that. He, he's he's in you know academy, academia. And so he'd become friends with him. Said he, he observed once where he had healed a, a girl that was dead on the road, like she was proper dead and people were crying and he did something and brought her back to life. And he said later in the book, um, he had met this uh, person from Japan that was supposed to be this healer person who had the ancient wisdom as well and they recognized each other so they had some sort of special bond and he had the whatever it is that's that knowledge or that gift which is something that it seems like out of dr strange or it's not common and i know from my time studying with the indigenous elders I don't know where that information is. Number one, they don't want to share it with us probably because of what's happened. And this is just about the Native American community that I understand. Um, Number one, they probably don't want to share it. And that's what Clifford and David tell me because of the history. Um, Number two, a lot of it might have to be hidden from all the stuff that's happened. So this isn't like you can go to the library and figure it out. But from being on this podcast and, and exploring the world, I've heard of countless stories, either where someone comes in and does it or, um, has learned from someone or experienced it themselves. So where do we go from here? I'm, I'm so curious where you're, uh, where I even kind of go. Cause your book looks really interesting. And so how did, um, what did you learn about medicine? That was different, I guess, like, where do you think we should go? I'm, I'm kind of like, I want the mystical, I want the mystical stories and I like doing that, but I also like being practical for the guests listening. How do we apply that and, and master our own healing?
2: Well, I think we need a comprehensive understanding of healing, you know, which is, you know, something I can share, you know, with people. Although I have to be honest with you, I've never raised the dead. So I'm sure there's a whole bunch of pieces in there that are still waiting to open for me. And I hope one day that I'll have the, the blessing of being involved in that. But anyways, um, the bottom line is, is this, that all disease essentially comes as a way for people to return to the oneness. Okay, so yeah, that's the basic understanding, which is that, that all disease is a sign of something being off-center inside the person. They've, they've left their alignment. They've left uh, the connectedness to the unity, to the oneness, to God, whatever you want to call it. They've, they've left it for some reason. And it's not necessarily a bad thing. You know, disease actually can be a very good thing. It's there to help. So disease comes as a way to teach people what they forgot or what they don't know or how to get back. And once you learn it, generally disease goes. Now, not always, but generally it goes. Okay. So the real teachings, and this is what I love about Sufism. Sufism means the purifier, have purity. One purifies their body, their ego, their self, their heart, their soul, their spirit. And in the purification process, they come back into a state of divine oneness. And if it's, you know, it may just be the liver. And so there may just be that piece. They've got to learn to clear that liver. Or maybe it's the heart or maybe it's the throat or something like that. But once you understand what needs to be purified and you act and you purify it, frequently you get healed. Okay. Now, the other thing I want to say is that I am very pro-medicine. I'm not against medicine at all. I'm pro medicine, I'm a physician myself. Medicine is incredibly valuable in protecting you. It helps you. But medicine does not generally cure you, not really. What it does is it helps you. You have high blood pressure, you take high blood pressure pills, your blood pressure normalizes. You have not healed your blood pressure. What you've done is you've protected yourself from having a stroke or a heart attack. That's what you've done. So if you really wanna heal, the way I look at it is take your blood pressure medicine, right? Because if you don't, you might have a stroke. By the same token, do your healing work, because if you haven't got to the roots of why you have high blood pressure, you're going to have that the rest of your life and it's going to get worse. You know, so it's better you learn to work on it and heal it. So for me, it's a combination. You're got to bring all these systems together with wisdom and protect the person. But at the end of the day, the key is that they have to come back to the oneness of god they have to get back there and i can give you a lot of situations about what that means but that's basically the the overview
0: yeah, that's, that's amazing. And I've heard that before. And it, and it definitely resonates with me, because I have spoken to a lot of people who have had quote, unquote, miraculous healings. And it really is about that inner healing. And one of the things I heard before was that when we have these traumas, or these things in our life that are very challenging, they can be stored in the body. And so if they think about the memory where that pain was, maybe it was abuse or maybe some deep regret or whatever it is that you'd say, Oh, you know, I, I feel it in my gut. And then all of a sudden they get a really terrible illness in their gut or in their chest, wherever they might hold that. And I, I feel like philosophically, it kind of makes sense because we're not really taught how to process those things. And so in your book, it talks about, um, I like the, the chapter it says outer experiences are spiritual teachings, and also unresolved inner spiritual issues are the glue that holds illness in place. And the one constant that I've learned from interviewing a lot of people and speaking to people is that if they had cancer or a terminal illness, they had to come down to homeostasis where they were in a high stress or they were right out of alignment with their life, right? Maybe they're doing a job they hated. It was fast paced. You know, they were everything was out of whack. And so one of the things they had to do was they had to come to peace within themselves. They had to realign their life um, around um, simplicity, but not high stress, you know what I mean? And, and also self-love and self-care They had to care for themselves again. And so I'd love for you to speak on those ideas. And if it's what you've come to the conclusion to as well.
2: Yeah. I mean, that's, that's all, you know, that's kind of like the terrain, you know what I mean? In other words, that no matter when you're sick, you've got to get rid of the stress. You've got to eat well, you've got to get rid of the toxic, toxicities, whatever they are. Sometimes those toxicities are your relationships, you know, and sometimes you're you're in a relationship that's you know you're going through a lot of hurt or anger or pain um you know divorce whatever those things can really be destructive you know so sometimes you have to you have to get all those things worked out but then the next thing is the the deeper piece which is what are you really there to learn that's what my book is really about what you know what's really what's God trying to show you it's like disease is God knocking on your door it's God saying to you hey beloved you know you miss this, and I want to show it to you. You know, so I'll give you the, I'll give you a couple examples of uh, what I'm talking about, which is uh, we had one lady with uh, breast cancer. You know, she, she, um, they had scheduled her for a, uh, I think it was a mastectomy. I believe it was a not a lumpectomy. I think it was a mastectomy it was about 15 years ago. Anyway, she called me and she said, "What do you think? Uh, Avery, what do you think this is all about?" I said, well, when I looked into it, you know, and I prayed and meditated, I saw images of people yelling at her. But you see, that's sort of the causative level. But the real causative level is what, why they yell at her and what's she doing with it. What, why did that happen? So she was saying, she said to me, I said, well, what's going on? Well, who's angry at you? She said, oh, my student, she's a teacher. They're angry at me. And i think they're the cause of my cancer but when i re- when i looked deep i said well is it, is it possible that the real issue is that you're angry at them that you haven't dealt with your anger you haven't dealt with your projections and it's actually been reversed the real problem is inside of you you see and when i prayed about it i went to god and i asked you know what is this about i kept seeing the word compassion which was that the teaching her for her was to be compassionate to be merciful. Not to be indignant and angry because people weren't, you know, obeying her or accepting her as her teacher. So, anyways, make a long story short, at first she caught me. She said, No, you're wrong. You know, it's all about them. It's their problem. It's they're doing it. And then she sat with it for a few weeks. And then she finally called me back and she said, No, I think you're right. I think actually I'm really aggressive and I'm really attacking them and I really don't accept them. And this is really about me. And she got inside herself, and she saw that she was she was pretty, uh, I won't say ruthless, but there was definitely a hard edge there. And she took care of it. I mean, she really sat down. She said, I'm not, I'm not going to be like this anymore. I want to change it. She sat down. She used some of the Sufi healing processes. She changed it, uh, and she developed mercy. Well, when she went back to the hospital, which was about two months later for the mastectomy, the tumor had completely disappeared. It was gone.
0: Wow. That's amazing. And, it, and it, it definitely coincides with a lot of people when they talk about healing and health, you need to get to the root of the cause. It's like, if you are, you know, very overweight and you can go get liposuction and you're eat, you know, your health isn't great. You can go chop off all that fat, but if you keep the same, you know, mental Emotional, spiritual, dietary, habitual patterns—you're going to recreate that result. It's not going to help you. So, right, you said the the medicine can help prevent something worse um, when you catch it, and it's a signal, right? The body is always speaking to you. And so, you know, your book outlines so many amazing chapters, and I don't know what we'll have time for. I want to, I want to cover it all, but you know, you talk about um, the four oceans of light. And there's an alignment method. So I definitely want you to cover that. And there's specifically too. I, I don't want to miss this, but, uh, you know, there's discovering the voice of God and the ultimate goal of spirit. All of these things are really fascinating to me in the rainbow light of God. You know, as I scroll through your book, I'm like, this is very fascinating stuff. So, um, you let me know what the meat and potatoes are so we can go through those processes and tools, but I definitely want to dive deep into some of that stuff into, um, you know, just if, if you have seen Or experience directly like the hand of God, if you will, you know what I mean? Like, it it goes beyond for me, it's something that's unexplainable, you know, and you witness it. And that's why I know there's some sort of force, because I have witnessed it firsthand. And, you know, or experienced it directly like that is so beyond anything mind, there's something. And so then how do we integrate with that wave? It'd be kind of like a surfer, you know what I mean? It's just like this wave is nuts and then you learn how to surf that wave and you it's like all of this power, you know, but you, you're kind of working with it. But if you work against it, that wave will mess you up. You, even a little tiny wave can really kick your butt. And actually, you you know about boating and, and uh, maybe sailing. So I'm sure there's some analogies there too. Uh, great
2: questions. Um, I mean, here's the, here's the basic the foundational teaching the, the why we're here is to come back to god okay and, and you can call that what you want you can call enlightenment or unity or self-realization whatever you want to call it but the bottom line is we're on our way back to knowing god okay and what the the teachings in life are about getting us back into a state of oneness and in, in sufism we call that unity It's a it's a state that's similar to enlightenment, but it's a little different because it comes from the heart and it's from love. It's it's a flowering of love that comes out of the heart. So in Sufism, we're working to bring the heart back into the state of love that brings us into a state of unity and oneness. That's what Rumi was all about. Rumi was talking about he he caught it better than any human being that I know about how to, you know, through what how love changes the human spirit okay so that's the first thing the second thing to know is that god will heal people when god wants not when we want so people you know are praying and they're demanding and they're asking god for healing god doesn't always give healing and there are in my experience there are conditions to having healing and the conditions for healing are that we understand what god wants us to know and that we make the change Okay, so and the change comes out of free will, where we can't be forced to change. change we have free will here. It, it, we have, it happens when we've chosen to change. You know, and that's the real question. How do you help somebody change? How do you help someone to make a choice that, that makes it different? How do you choose not to be angry? How do you choose not to be afraid? You know what I mean? That's the real secret of the whole thing. So in Sufism, uh, it starts with the heart. You know, and this is something most people in the West were very mental. You know, we're much in our minds. We don't know how to live in our hearts. And the heart is the key to our reality. The heart is where our essence, our soul lives. It's where our our being lives. It comes from our heart. It doesn't come from our minds. So the first step is we've got to get people into their hearts. And we have to show them why they don't want to live there. You know, what's going on inside of them that they left their hearts. Usually, you know, they're brokenhearted. Something happened with their parents or their family or their girlfriend or their boyfriend or whatever it may be, but something happens in there. And because of that, they, they left, they left the love. They have to come back to that. So the first thing is we get them into their hearts. And then the second thing is we get them to experience the love. And then from the place of love, they begin to look at what's going on inside of their hearts. The heart's like the master gland, connects to every cell in the body. So anything going on, it could be happening in your little toe, it's coming out of your heart. It could be happening in the top of your head and your brain, it's coming out of your heart. Your heart's the master gland, it starts in the heart. So we have to bring the person back to understanding what's going on inside of them, what's happened to the heart, because that's the first thing that turned away, that went out of alignment. Then something else did. Uh, so I'll give you an example. Again, I'm, um, I had a boy come to me. He was 17. He had an uh, astrocytoma. Astrocytoma is a big brain tumor. And uh, he was dying pretty pretty heavily. And, uh, you know, for me, you know, I wanted to understand. I needed to understand that brain tumor if I was going to have any hope of helping it. He'd been to chemo, radiation, nothing worked. They were basically getting ready to bury him. Well, when I sat with him, I, I wanted to get to know the brain tumor and I wanted to know what God was making. And I asked him about it. And he basically said to me, you know, I'm peaceful, I have no problems, I don't know why I'm sick, doesn't make any sense. But in my heart, I knew that wasn't the case. I knew that there was something else going on. So I prayed about it. I asked, I said, I said, God, what, what is going on in this boy's heart? And when I asked the question, what I saw was a conflict between goodness and violence. That one part of him was very good and one part of him was extremely violent. And I said to him, you know, tell me about your violence. And he said, I'm not violent. I'm not violent at all. I'm only love. I'm only love. And I said, you know, I said, finally, I said, look, I asked his parent were in the room. I said, can you leave? I want to talk to him privately. The parents stepped out. I said, come on, let's be honest between you and me. Your parents are gone. What's going on? Then he looked around for a while, rolled his eyes, and then he said, okay, I'll tell you the truth. He said, all I can think about is killing people. All I can think about is going to war. I want to go and I want to kill people. I can't stop it. It's coming out of my being. I don't know where it's from. I don't know why it's here, but I can't stop it. You see how how much denial was going on initially and how the whole thing was, was, was such a charade in a way because parents were beautiful. They couldn't accept that type of thing. But this was what was going on in him. Maybe this was a you know a counterbalance for you know teaching the parents about light and dark because they both exist together. But anyway, the boy was playing this out. So um, we started working with the uh, violence in him. He wasn't ready to deal with it. The parents weren't ready to deal with it. They left. They chose not to go through the work. They went home. Uh, but boy continued to understand that his brain tumor had to do with beliefs around violence as he began to clear it it was amazing because he didn't make it he did die but the death process he went through was one of the most spectacular deaths I've ever seen it was if you, if you can imagine a room full of angels and light and, and trumpets blowing this kid had that it was, it was the most, one of the most magnificent deaths I've ever seen in my life that somehow, even though he died, he had a major breakthrough at the end that helped him to reach God, and the death was magnificent. So, my point of all of it is is that is that um, God is trying to teach us, and all of us are 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 basically under God's hands. All of us, and we if, if we go out of alignment, then you know God tries to bring us back into alignment through dropping a book in our hand or, you know, teaching us something, somebody shows up, a teacher, but sooner or later, illness will show up. And illness is one of the ways God teaches. It's a powerful way of teaching, you know, because if you're really sick, like I was, you're dying, you better heal it, otherwise you're dead. You know, it forces you to look at what you don't want to look at. That's the beauty of the illness. Anyways, I've talked a long time. Let me turn it back to you.
0: Yeah, holy smokes. What a what a wild story. that That is that is man, your stories are good. I, I, I'm I, like, do we go to more stories or do we go uh, into some of the other stuff? Well, I would love for you to speak about the the method because I feel like that's important. I think it's A-P-I-I-R-T-B, that whatever that acronym stands for. And then we can dive into a little bit more about these things about, you know, discovering the voice of God and the rainbow light of God, because I think I agree with what you're saying. You know, I've, I've when I was uh, in in British Columbia once I met some parents that had lost their uh, one-year-old daughter and are, I think, I don't remember if it was a son or daughter, but um, just listening to their story and, and how they were moving through that. I just, it's, it's such a wild experience, you know, now becoming a parent, it's like your heart is on your sleeve. You can't do anything about it. You know what I mean? It's such a, a raw and vulnerable place to be, you know, as a parent and you only want the best for them. And so to hear, their process and some of the things that they shared about that was really uh, powerful and beautiful and, and, and challenging in so many different ways. And so um, yeah, you know, I think it all comes down to this understanding that we're in a spiritual realm or a school or something and it's, and it's beyond our control. Um, But what we can control is understanding our inner world and that meaning and, and how we project those things that come out because we, we don't control how what we look like, what family we're born into, some of the external things they just happen uh, to teach us. But a lot of the time, like you said, through illness, that is a signal from the creator, you know, for you to look in and, and see what is going on here, you know? And so it is an indicator and kind of like a knock on the door, just like, you know, you might have one small illness come and if you don't listen, it's going to turn into something much worse, right? And so yeah. I'd love for you to speak on, um, yeah, the method or the acronym that you teach as well.
2: Okay. Well, <clears throat> the way it worked for me, I I've been, we talked about the four worlds, right? The four oceans. Um, there are, there are four subtle realms that exist in my understanding. Those are the four uh, oceans. Yes. Okay. Okay. And so you understand the day pure process, you have to kind of understand the four oceans. So, um, the first ocean is the ocean of senses itself and self, and everything, anything we can sense, hear, listen, smell, taste, touch. We call that the mulk, means thick. The second ocean is a field of light that surrounds us like this, but it also goes out and surrounds all the universe. It's, we call that the Malakut. Malakut means the realm of the angels. Okay, it's it's a basically the subtle reality. Okay, most healing happens in the Malakut. And past that around us, there's another much larger light, which we call the Jabirut The Jabirut is the world of the soul. And we are surrounded by that ocean of the soul, but also everything in existence has a soul. So the world of the Jabirut is universal. It goes throughout all existence. Okay. And then the final fourth ocean is called the Lahut. Lahut means the world of God. And the world of God is the final world that you have to enter into to reach the unity. You have to merge into that world. You know, Christians call it the heavens. Uh, Muslims call it paradise. You know, I don't, I don't actually know what the Jewish people call it, but but it's uh, it's the world of God. Okay. So within those four worlds, there are teachings. Okay. So the A pure process essentially teaches us how to get into any of those four worlds to find out what's going on inside of somebody. If somebody's sick, they don't know what's going on, bottom line. It's unconscious. If if it wasn't unconscious, they wouldn't be sick. It's something happening below their conscious. They may be somewhat aware of it, but they're not really aware of it. It's hidden in their bodies, as you said. It's hidden in their subconscious. Okay, So a pure... Uh, is, a, is an acronym. And, you know, in Sufism, a pure is a master. So I kind of was playing with it. So I said, A pure, a master teaches beautifully. Let the series jump into here again. And, uh, but, so what it means is that um, A stands for our connection and alignment with God. Okay. So, you have to, in this system, you're not healing from anything other than God's light. You're not healing from spirit animal. You're not healing from opi kachinas. You're not healing from, I don't know what, you know, David, you're, you're healing directly from the light of God itself. That's why I say it was the capstone for me, because I studied those other things, you know, but but there was something missing always. I was like, well, this is all good, but there's something beyond all this, what's beyond it? But what's beyond it is God, okay? So the alignment with God, you have to align with God and you have to allow that light to come all the way through you. It's not for lot to really move inside of you and open inside of you and to uh, exist within you. So the first step is to have that alignment with, with the divine. The second step is use that alignment to find the pattern okay patterns the subtle light that creates disease so anytime you have a disease in the subtle body an energetic pattern shows up okay now people who can see auras see them all the time healers see them frequently uh any master who's really a master sees them you know they show up all the time these are patterns of light that show up around the person so that you you see that pattern. So for me, I spend, uh, when I heal, I, I always start with God and I ask God to show me the pattern that's causing the illness within those four oceans surrounding somebody. That's where I start. Okay. The, second, the third th- thing is the eye, the eye of images. In, when you open a pattern, inside of it, you will find the images that are the source of why a person gets sick. also how they create their life it's not only why they get sick it's how their life is being created it's what's going on deep in their subconscious that they are creating from they're creating from those those hidden images and they're choosing their relationships to those images in different ways i'll explain that as we go after you have the images you have your issues the second eye the issues are about your response to how you deal with the images, okay? So for example, um, do you accept them? Do you stop with them? Do you fight with them? Do you not want to deal with them? Do you run away from them? Are you angry about them? Are you you frightened by them? What's your relationship to the images? Okay, so the issues are very important because the issues are actually the glue. The images are the illness, but the issues are the glue and they work together. They stick together. You've got to be able to have them both. OK, and clear them both. Once you get through the understandings, now you have to resolve it. The R is resolution. How do you resolve it? Well, there's a million ways to do it. You know, you can clear images and issues in, you know, a thousand different ways. In this system, we clear it using God's names. We work with the light of God, with the attributes of God, and we clear out those images and those issues and we replace them with divine light. And that's the, that's the resolution. How do you clear them and replace them with divine light so the person becomes holy inside? The T is the teachings of the soul. Yours, every healing is there for a person to learn something about their soul. The soul is needing to learn something. So the T the is the teachings of the soul. And the B, once, once we understand the teachings and we, uh, and we heal, then God sends down like light, beautiful waterfalls of light come down. That's the ultimate healing. When that light comes down, nothing can stop it. I mean, that's the, that's the highest level of healing. So for me, I use medicine and all sorts of other things to protect the person while I'm trying to get to that downpouring of the beautification of light. And once that happens, then basically the process is over. That's the a peer teaches
0: beautifully. Wow. Well, that's amazing. What a fascinating way to it's a little bit different than mainstream medicine diagnosis. Um, <laughs> so that, it- that's that's incredibly powerful, and I, I think it's also powerful that you know you're going around learning all these different methods of healing from you know different traditions, and then the next level is back to God. And I, I just feel like that's a, an interesting thing because for me and just what's been going on in the world, you know, it's, it's been, yeah, I believe in spirit, God, nature, the creator, but it's like more so, you know, it's like, Oh, okay. You know, really just connecting with this one thing, like go directly to the source. And I feel like that's kind of what the method is, is understanding yourself and that connection with, the great greater creator, however you see that. Um, but in a real way for you, you know, some people might be averse to these different names or these different traditions or, or religions because of, you know, what, what, what's happened with different religions in the past with the wars and the things like that. Um, but it doesn't, it doesn't take away from you and your connection from the creator in whatever way that is, because you can find that whatever it is for you will be your own interpretation, your own understanding. And uh, we all have that. And it feels like some of our culture or our world really is designed to make us forget that, you know, who we are, where we came from and, and what power we're connected to and what's possible when we really connect to that. So I think that that's incredibly beautiful. And I'd love for you to speak about, um the you know what is it the seven the seven primary spiritual stations that to me sounds fascinating (laughs) okay
2: those are good good questions
0: yeah and if there's anything you want to comment on or or take it you can feel free to go ahead too because there's a lot of i like to go as deep as possible so if you've got some uh you know yeah with you it's like holy smokes where do you even go with this this is awesome
2: (laughs) well again uh you know, first of all, everybody can master this. It's not something that's that's like beyond like for somebody and not for somebody else. You know, some people have to work a little harder for different reasons, but but bottom line, if you can get to those images and those issues and resolve it with divine light, you know, most people get you know a fair degree of healing if not complete healing. So that's the, the first thing to understand. Um, the second thing is that um, our relationship with the divine is like the whole key to the whole thing. Okay, so we talked about the seven stations. Each station um, brings more power, more light, more love, more understanding, more wisdom, and more healing. So when you talk about you know people raising the dead, you know these if they're doing that, they are. There's only two ways it's happening. Either they're very high masters or um, they're tapping into uh, other beings that can do it and are somehow doing it through them. So it's one way or the other that it happens. Um, in either case, uh, for the human being to reach those seven stations, that's what it's really all about. So let's talk about the stations. So I'm gonna, we're going to say seven stations, but we're going to talk about the fourth one as the fulcrum point. Okay, So think of like a teeter-totter. The three below and the three above okay the fourth station we call hakika hakika means that you have reached the unity you have reached the you have, you have reached divine oneness
0: and this comes from Sufism yes got
2: it but I'll tell you something I, I have friends of mine who are Vedantists. and they have this almost the identical system so it's not only a Sufism okay so there is a realm called the realm of god which is the realm of divine truth okay what's divine truth well divine truth is different than human truth like a human truth you think of the seven the seven blind guys on the elephant you know they cross the river and they they stumble into an elephant and one guy grabs the tail and he says an elephant is long and skinny and another guy grabs the trunk he says no he's powerful and Burly, another guy grabs a leg he says no he's got a big wide strep you know so they all have these different understandings and they're all truthful right they're all the truth but the divine truth is it's an elephant it's all the pieces put together okay so divine truth is is bigger than human truth it's bigger than the small truths. it's the combination of all truths okay so in the world of hakika you're given divine truth You're given like a a penetrating look into the divine reality that allows you to stay in that reality and live in that reality all the time. A lot of people, they they touch it. I bet you've touched it, where you've had moments of that experience of, of unity. And yet, you know, it's one thing to touch it. We have to also hold it. We have to live there. We have to be part of it forever. So Hakika is about reaching that state. Okay. So the lower three stations are about the walking through the self, the choices of self, knowing the self. Like, what does your self really want? You know, what's, where is your self choosing things that are not the best for you? You know, where does your self choose materialism or the world or or something other than divinity? Because as long as your self chooses that, you're not gonna you're not gonna enter into those higher worlds. It pulls you back. Okay. So the first station is overcoming yourself. The second station, which again is is different than some systems because our system is through the heart. The second station, the heart bows to God and it bows to the love. And in the bowing, the heart opens into the state of what we call mahabha, it's the state of love. And in that state of love, it begins to love what divinity loves and it lets go of what the human loves. So a human might love, you know, to go out and make trouble and God wants to have harmony have peace and have, you know, nature, everything in accordance with with perfection. The human being wants to go out and break it, you know, so we have to release those parts of ourselves that love things that keep us from the oneness of the love. And, you know, most people, like you're saying, you know, you have your daughter and you've fallen in love with your daughter and all of a sudden, there's a whole world opening up of love that, you know, when you're younger, you're kamikaze, you'll do anyway, right? But now you've got a daughter and all of a sudden, wow, wait a minute. No, no, I'm not going to do that. I don't want to miss my daughter growing up and I don't want to miss her having a daddy. And all of a sudden, the, the rights of love have overpowered the self you see that's what the heart's about it's about the heart opening and the highest love is into God you know into having that love when you have that your life is so different when you live from the self you don't realize you're cut off and you're trying to find a way to connect but you're cut off but when your heart opens it's like you're you're in the flow all the time in the flow of love you're connected all the time there's beauty everywhere all the time you're living you're like living in a constant state of love it's an incredible way of living and it's much better than living the self is transient you know you have an experience it's over you go back and you suffer heart opening you're in it all the time you're just in love it's amazing Okay, that's the second station okay the third station you open the soul. You have to get soul conscious. Soul conscious the, the soul is a light. I'm sure you know what I'm talking about. And the, the soul light is different than the heart light. It's different than the, the subtle light. It's the light of your own central reality. So when you reach the soul, you begin to, you actually start getting in touch with the spirits of everything. You, have to, you reach the souls of others, of animals, of all sorts of things like you can't you know it's 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 there in a deep way you're able to communicate with souls and uh, I'll just tell you a, a two minute story because I love my stories as you can tell but um, I uh, my house in uh, California got raided by ants and uh, they were giving me a hard time so I finally went down into the, into the ground floor got close to the ground and I called the spirit of the of the ant queen. And I said, and I called her and she finally came out. She was, the spirit came out, came out like a cloud in front of me, just kind of, and you have to see it. It was like a red cloud and I yelled at it. I said, look, I said, I don't wanna hurt you or your ants, but you are not allowed in my house and you are violating my sanctuary. And this is it. I've asked, asked you to leave, but this is my final warning. If you don't stop it, within three days, I bring in an exterminator. We're going to exterminate your whole hive or whatever you call it. So I don't know what you call them. So I waited the first day, the second day. Nothing happened. Nothing happened. The third day, I walk outside my, my house, the front door, and I have this wood, this rock path in front of my house. There were like, I don't know, about this wide, like maybe, I don't know, foot wide, maybe a little bit less. There were like streams, like maybe, I don't know, maybe I can't remember, three or four streams of hundreds of thousands of ants that were leaving under my house. And they went on crossing my path for 24 to 48 hours. And you can imagine how many ants were under that house. It was incredible. And they left, and they left, and they left, and they left, and they were gone. And I never had another ant in my house. So the point is, is that when you can reach to the spirits of people, of animals, of uh, you know anything really, it, it helps you to understand existence. You understand what existence is, and you understand why existence is there. You know what what was that ant needing? What was her hive needing? What was you know, what were we needing as human beings to have our house sacred? What did that hand mean? It wanted a hound too, but it was violating. and You could see that in that spirit. It was not a clean spirit. It was, it was taking things it shouldn't take. So you have to, in learning the spiritual world, you understand the deeper roots of people. So the third level is, is understanding what moves people, what's the essence, um, how to uh, deepen people, how to bring the spirits into purity. That's all the third station. When you complete that, then God will lift you up into the fourth station. That's a graduation. It's, it's, a, it's a grant. It's not given by a human being. It can be given through a human being, but it's, it's given by God when God feels that you are ready because you have purified whatever God is asking you to purify. We don't know, but you have to find those places. Usually it's hidden materialism. It's hidden self. Um, And if you cross those levels, then you enter into the godly world. And really, that's the beginning of mastery. Now you're really becoming a master. And then uh, as you complete that, you will integrate that light of divinity inside of your being. And that light is your completion. Now you've become a master. Okay, And that's the first four stations. That's the fourth station is when that mastery happens. Now there's three further ones that go after that which are also further. So I don't know if you want to talk about those tonight or not, but those are the higher stations. That
0: yeah. Well, I'd love for you to talk about the further stations. It reminds me of Yogananda, you know, the, the autobiography of a Yogi. And so I've heard about it and I, and I'd like to believe it's possible. I've heard, I've heard these stories, you know, in writings and the life and teachings of the masters of the far East and things like that. Uh, you know, the stories are out there and I have a couple questions. With the one where you're talking about, you know, openness and love, you know, like I think it's the second station, like opening up to the Creator. I feel like I can do that in in, in bits, and I've had these experiences where it's beyond space and time and reason and logic and and all of that. And but it, they're brief, you know. Well, one of them was a longer process, maybe about eight hours, but it's like it's such a different language. It's like trying to communicate with a giraffe or a dolphin. There's, there's, you know, there's no way I can bring it back to this human form and I haven't been able to get. So are you saying that if, if you get to that space that you're fully kind of in the enlightened stage, because I've kind of felt like, you know, that's almost like a myth. Maybe I'm too grumpy and I'm like, I just, you know, I can't, I'm not going to achieve that. I'm just giving up on that. And I'll just focus on being a good person because, uh, (laughs) you know, being, being happier or in that love state, it just seems, um, beyond what's possible, you know? And, and so I've, I'd love for you to talk about that. And then um, and then the higher realms, yeah. So, and then, oh yeah, the second thing was, have you met anyone that kind of stays in that? Like, you know, cause I find these, these people are not on the internet, you know what I mean? The, the people like doing it, they're, they're really, you know, so I'm curious if you've met some of those teachers where like that guy or that girl was was the real deal and maybe something you saw or
2: experienced. Yeah, many. Right? I've met many and they're there and it doesn't mean that those people don't get challenged they do get challenged and they have to face you know something. in fact the further you go the harder the challenges I mean you look at all the great masters they've always been challenged with you look at Christ they you are know, getting his challenges or look at Moses and the Pharaoh or, you know there are, there are always great challenges when you reach mastery so it's not that you don't get challenged you don't have to deal with suffering but it's not your suffering you're dealing with the suffering that comes from people not accepting the truth. The truth comes out and stirs them up. They attack. And then you have to carry that attack. You have to break through it. So uh, that's, unfortunately, that's what the the masters are here for. They're here to help people to break through. So I've met many. Yes. Um, You know, and I would say, you know, never give up, you know, there are, you know, where you give up is where you stop. In other words, if you if you give up at one realm and if you if God gave you an experience of those realms, what you're telling me, then it means that God is saying to you, come find it. He wouldn't have shown it to you if it wasn't meant to happen for you. Come find me. You've got to do the work. Yeah, you're going to get challenged and you're going to have things block you and hold you back and push you down and make you question everything, but never give up. But just remember, you know. God is calling you back to your natural state of consciousness. And it is beyond time and space. And it's beyond all those things. He's he's calling. So stay strong. And We all have to stay strong now because this is a time where you know, the, the war between light and dark on this planet is, is, at, a, is at a very high level, very strong time. So we have to be strong and we have to hold the light and the love and the care and not allow any of that stuff stop us from our work, which is to come back to oneness. So I love
0: it. I appreciate that. I'll I'll keep it in mind. (laughs) (laughs) I'll keep it in mind in my grumpy days. Yeah, you know, and and it's like these little blips—I've kind of—I call them different things, but uh, one of them is like wink from the universe. I feel like a lot of it is very subtle. You know, the universe or God is always communicating with you. Um, it yep. is always there. They, they hit him. I don't know whatever you want to call it's always there. And then if you're walking the path enough, um, it's earned, and you get like a, a universal wink from. To me, it's just that spiritual alignment of integrity are you the only thing we can really know is what we're intending like our intention. Cause you could say, this is a cure for people. And you say, okay, it's great. And it works for 99 people. Then one, it doesn't, you know, I was like, Oh shoot. Right. Or you could say, or then all of a sudden there's something better, like information and reality and truth evolves. You know, even if you're reading a bunch of books, it's a bunch of other people's experiences and you could say, well, I've read the truth of that book and I interpreted it this way. So all we really know, even when we experience something directly, then it goes into the memory bank and that all gets hunky dory crazy real quick. You know, if you ever try to interview someone, what just happened one minute ago when you're in the store, you know, was that person wearing a red shirt or a black dress? Like, Oh man, I don't even know what color were her eyes. I have no idea. How much was that? How much did you pay? I, I don't know. Right? We, we don't know what's going on here. So it's, you know, there's so much we don't know. We, we know a sliver of a sliver, but the thing that we can know for sure 100% without a doubt, without a question is our intent. That's it. Then we can also know um, if we're listening to ourselves and we're having integrity. There might be some other ones, you know, and if you, if, you know, cause I use this analogy, so I'd love to hear what you think of my analogy. So we know for sure our intent. And then I think 90, 99 times out of a hundred, we know if we're being an integrity or not. And a lot of the times we'll act out of integrity because we want we want this material thing or we're worried about, you know, you know, if I don't do this, then I'm not going to have that that need met. Right. And that means you're not trusting in the creator, God of the universe to say, you know what, I'm not going to do this thing that I know causes harm or harms my community. So I'm going to, you know, do this instead. And so, um, yeah, what do you think about that? <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> that was that was a mouthful. I gotta to, to kind of take all that info over. Yeah, what do you think of that? <laughs> uh, uh, I think that you've 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 hit the truth. I think you've hit the truth. And I think that, you know, hearing it and realizing it are two different things. I think we, you know, it's like you have to realize it. You know, and, and realization means, you know, I think in your words that that integrity, that you're living that integrity all the time, you know, and I'm a very strong believer in um, not doing harm. I don't like to do harm. I don't like to hurt people. Um, Hurts me when I hurt somebody. Probably hurts me more, actually. But anyways, um, so I think that we can learn to be in integrity, but learn to be incredibly kind to people and, and merciful. Like we don't have to hit them over the head with truth. I think there's enough of that going on in the world. You know, I think it's like, it's about how do we realize it with love so that as we step into it, we hold the integrity in ourselves, but we give it with such sweetness that nobody can say no to it. You know what I mean? That it's you give it with such love that everybody wants it. I think that's the secret of it.
0: That is a really beautiful point for, I'd love you for, to elaborate because I was talking to my friend, Dr. Edith Ubuntu Chan, who is a sweetheart. She's been trying to educate people since the beginning of this stuff and what's going on. Brilliant doctor also educates kids to do paranormal things with incredible results, like stupid, stupid, amazing results of blindfold stuff. But she's telling me about um, this story where she's been trying to, trying to communicate with people, goes down to like a place where they believe very much in the vaccines and they believe in the mass and all this stuff. And she presented an opposing view based on truth with, with, with just, honoring people. And she said, I went and honored them. We sang them a song, you know, whatever you want to do. She's like, but you know, and then offered some of the truth with such love, all of them changed their mind now. So I'd love for you to elaborate that. So for me, I'm more direct. I've always just been direct. I'm just like, you know, think, you know, it's like a kind of like, it's more of like a blunt object and then I get angry you know, when I just see stupidity and harm, I get angry. So what do you suggest for me? And what do you suggest for other people? If we want to, you know, and then maybe I can invoke like God or something, you know what I mean? Like speak through me in a compassionate way, because, you know, I don't want this person to harm themselves and I want them to harm their kids. You know, here is information that will show you that here you go. It's here it is, right? If you, cause I've tried the, let's have an open dialogue. If you present me with better information, I will revise my view immediately. No problem. Since the beginning has not happened. Not one discussion with a friend and acquaintance, another person, where it was at a respectful two-way dialogue where they presented better information to modify my perspective. They weren't able to overcome the information and proof that I was able to provide, you know, to come to that view. And so it can get frustrating, especially when I'm getting attacked a lot. And so I do want to share the truth with people and I do want to share it in a compassionate way but sometimes I, I'm really challenged with that so I'd love your two cents on 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 how do we do this effectively how do we how do we share you know something meaningful and truthful effectively when it might be the opposite of what they believe
2: yeah well you know when you're younger not that you're young but when you're younger you know you've got a lot of passion there's a lot of power and your being wants to you know, tear down the mountains and you know, scream from the, the tops. You know, but you know, as you start to purify those places, like you start to recognize that that God really wants us to be careful with with creation. You know, and so because we're powerful and we have truth, you know, how many teachers, religions have you know beaten up other people because they have the truth. You know what I mean? How many people have died in the name of religion because, you know, we have the truth. You know, God doesn't want that. God wants, you know, religions, is, it's it's not supposed to be compulsory. Religion is supposed to be a choice. It's supposed to happen from a person's heart. So the, <laughs> the greatest teachers recognize that it's the love that changes people. And, and so as a person grows and you recognize that that power is... On one hand you know glorious but on another hand subtly creates separation and domination and control and not bringing the closeness then you start saying you know what maybe there's a better way to carry this so what we do is we use a chant we 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 say which means i ask for forgiveness for god the sublime and by asking for forgiveness but by asking we're saying god i recognize that um even though i have a truth that there's a way that maybe i'm not in oneness with somebody you know maybe subtly there's some kind of domination or or even they maybe I and mean, even if it's not coming from me maybe they're they're experiencing it and so either way i end up in separation so god teach me how to communicate in a way that only brings love that only brings oneness that only brings truth in a gentle way I think if you, when you, when you start asking for that, God will teach it to you very quickly. I'm sure you'll catch, you'll catch it very quickly, and you'll see that love is a thousandfold more powerful than power. Power doesn't change people; it scares people, but doesn't change it. But love changes people. Love actually changes people to something better.
0: That's a very beautiful answer and extremely helpful for me in in my current life experience and so it brings up a follow-up question so if i am uh you know let's say disconnected in any way one of the major issues i've always had is with uh just suffering you know like okay there's supposed to be a god a creator right and went to you know was a christian and studied spirituality and all this kind of stuff and it's like okay there's a creator but what like why is there so much suffering why why am i witnessing so much insane suffering why am i w- witnessing so much harm you know, why do these systems really uh, create such chaos and such evil? What is going on? You know, is it is it just a, like did I am I in hell right now? I thought about one of those things. It's like, oh, maybe that's what it is with all this this suffering. You know, with with so you know that's one of the things that's been very challenging. It's like, hey, you're gonna like you're harming that. that if I see someone harming someone, the martial arts you know caveman wants to come out with a stick from my cave and just dunk them. <laughs> right. And so we've got, you know, we've got these other scenarios where harm is happening and just immediately I'm like that, come on, you know? So that's, I think my main, my main process. I, I, I have to replay the ridiculous words I just spoke, but I think, I think you, you know what I mean? So maybe you can help with that.
2: Well, you got to remember that the number one <clears throat> gift that God gave us is free will and free will means the, the freedom to choose that's what it's free will doesn't mean the freedom to do what we want it's the freedom to choose to do what, what we want so because of free will the suffering on this planet is from ourselves God give us free will we're creating it not God God doesn't want us to suffer God wants us to free us or the suffering comes from in our own beings you know, we have our own natures and we are creating suffering ourselves. That's the hell. We're creating hell for ourselves. How do we overcome it? Well, through going through it. You have to go through it to get to the other side. You have to find out what you know what it is. And I'll tell you again a brief story about myself. Um, after my first wife died of cancer, I began exploring really deeply into cancer. I wanted to try and understand, you know, how do you heal it? Can it be healed? You know, what do you do with it? And after a while, I remarried another woman and uh, a very beautiful woman and younger than me. She was quite a bit younger. And as I spent time with her, I started to realize that um, I felt old. I started feeling old. I started feeling like maybe she really should be with somebody much younger, somebody more her age, somebody more beautiful, not somebody old like me. And that brought up a lot of pain for me. So as I sat with it, you know, again, I was suffering, but the suffering came from my own system of beliefs that I was like, well, she should be with somebody younger, right? She'd be somebody more age. But what I wasn't seeing was what God wanted me to see. So when I brought this suffering to God, God began to change it. It was like it started to move. It started to spin. It started to change inside my own being. And then as it changed, All of a sudden, what opened was the world of beauty. And I began to see beauty everywhere. And I saw beauty in me. And I started to see my own beauty. I saw who I was. I saw my own nature. So through the suffering of feeling old and and not good, it changed into feeling I, I, I discovered my own beauty. I went through it to find out who I was, to see my own nature. So... My point is that all suffering, when you go through it, if you go through it in the right way, you transcend it. If you go through it in the wrong way, then you hate it. If if something happens and you go into hatred of it, you you haven't learned anything, you've gone into hell. But if you turn it around and you go through it, like, like if you go through, I went through my feelings of ugliness and it turned into beauty. If you go through your feelings of violence, it turns into compassion. you go through your feelings of separation, it turns into mercy or it turns into oneness. Each of these things are gifts that take somebody through to the other side. What happens is that people stop. They They don't go through the lessons. And because they don't go through the lessons, suffering stays for them individually. But it's not only individual. Every group has a collective teaching. So the U.S. has a collective teaching. India has a collective teaching. Christians have a teaching. Jews have a teaching. Muslims have a teaching. Hindus have a teaching. Everybody has collective teachings. God takes that collective. You're part of a group. You're part of, let's say, being Jewish. All of the Jewish collective comes together and it creates a weight. If that weight is good, the entire Jewish light lifts up. If it's not good, the entire Jewish gets pulled down. So there are collectives that are going on within us as well. Every group we belong to, we are part of that collective. You and I are part of the male group. We're carrying male collectives. You were Americans. We carry American collectives. You know what I'm saying? But we might be different religions. So you would carry the collective of your religion. I would carry the collective of mine. So collectives create the... A lot of suffering for people comes from those collectives. You see, so we have to understand that. And we don't get out of that. You know, in other words, that collective is part of what we're part of, where we have to work with them. Now, we might get through it ourselves and we will chart to change the collective, but it doesn't mean the collective will fully change. You see what I mean? We make an in, we, it, we make impact in that collective, we begin to change it. Like we might bring more mercy and, and love into men. Men, you know, we're getting hit, men are getting hit with patriarchal, you know, violence and power and control. In many ways, rightfully so. And we, we have that as men. And so to learn to be more careful, to be learn to be more gentle, to learn to be more loving as men, that's a good thing. You see, we're part of that collective. Now, you and I might learn to do that. But we then we're only the beginning of a small iceberg, of you know a billion men that have to actually learn how to do that. See, so it takes time for it to stream through a billion people. It's not going to happen in ten years or fifteen years or twenty years. It might take you know hundred years, but it will happen through time. The suffering is from ourselves and from our collectives. think you're muted, Matt. Go ahead and unmute yourself.
0: That's very well said. And I, and I appreciate all of, you know, that uh, I'm just kind of reflecting on it. So I love the idea. And the favorite thing that you said was uh, talking about giving it to God with each, with, with each issue, like, you know, show me a way through this. Cause it, it is individual for every single person, you know, it's a first player game here. And so, you know, w- when we remember how to do that, you know, we're going to have to go through it. We can't control everything. And, you know, whatever you're processing, right. We get to choose how to react to that. Right. How is it, how is it, you know, sitting with us, you know, are we, and I think that that, that suffering is also the fuel into the action, right. You know, it, when we kind of sit with it, we know the difference between, uh, right and wrong and good and evil. And then we can go take an action to build the thing that is good. Right. So to not be weighted down, uh, by that, by that, uh, Awfulness And there's so much to be improved on on this planet. There's so much suffering, there's so much opportunity to build something better to approve upon the systems that we have here to exercise our free will that is in harmony with each other in our communities, you know, and, and that's the thing again, that we can control. And so as we get challenged with our observations of reality to, you know, seek support, you know, from God, the creator say, show me a perspective in this, uh, that, that I can remain useful, that I can, you know, get out of this anger that I can get out of this anger for this system or whatever the case is. That's the thing for me is like, why, is, why is it set up like this? Why, why am I observing this? You know? And so, um, so learning how to come to peace for that with that, it's going to be important for me. Um, I'd love for you, if you want to add on anything, go ahead, but I'd love for you to speak on the, the top three realms as well, because it reminds me of the autobiography of a yogi, where Yogananda's teachers dies, and then he comes back, it, you know, basically, after he's dead, and he and he talks to, to him about the spiritual realms, and hey, he said, yeah, you know, well, after death, it's just like I mentored you here, well, it goes beyond this into higher realms, and I've been getting a lot into law recently looking for understanding and solutions for, you know, why this planet is the way it is and why they're really making us feel like slaves right now, especially in Canada. You're not allowed to leave your house, quote unquote. I don't listen, you know, <laughs> but, you know, you're not allowed to leave your house. You can't get fresh air. You know, you have to stay at home. Like people are listening to this. You can't go outside. What do you mean? what i and that, one of the things uh i, I gave an analogy and whatever people's beliefs are they can have but uh you know um wearing a mask i have a medical issue so i don't and uh so if somebody says it says anything to me one of the comedy ones i was trying to defuse the situation but i say oh hey are you god and they'll say no well i don't answer to you then you know and so you know the god is going to be the one that tells me if i can go in and out of my house you know And, and, and one of the other things that I think about often, and it's been helpful is, you know, you want to be on the side of good and, and help and community. And uh, there's a quote by Rudolf Steiner that says anything that seeks to restrict or bind by definition is Luciferian. And that quote helped me for when I'd make my choices, you know, because I'm like, I'm going to do this choice. And look, you can be twenty feet away. I'll, I'll stay whatever whatever you want. I'll I'll be. You can be cool, but but I'm not gonna try to make you do anything. And so um, anyway, so I, I I digressed intensely there into my personal world. But I'd love yeah. for you to to chat about the uh, the three higher spiritual realms because I feel like um, that would be an. Inter- I'm, I'm just curious about that compared to what uh, it said in that book. Yeah. <laughs> get <laughs> <open up> <laughs> okay, yeah did you can add on to that so if you be. want I, I got i got sidetracked in my own world there for a second
2: <laughs> well um you know the bottom line creation repeats itself if you, if you go back and you look at it you know go back to noah you know noah's on the boat and he's you know he's you know, fighting the people of his town or I don't even know where Noah was from actually but he was you know they're all telling him there's no god and you know you don't have to do anything just do you what you want you know and noah spent a thousand years trying to get them to listen they never listened and then we got the flood you know so um and by the way they I don't know if you heard that they found the uh, the ark of Mount no, Judy they actually have pictures of it you can see the the whole thing and the qubits, everything exactly what it's supposed to be it's all there. So anyway, is that I,
0: recent? I you know I heard about that a bunch of years. I thought like years ago they said they found the arc but you're saying they said it again like in it like how legit do you think this is like 90% legit, 50% legit? 100%? I think
2: it's 100%. 100%. You, th- you think it's legit? I think it's legit.
0: Well, man, we are in weird times right now. So who who knows? You know, wouldn't, it wouldn't surprise me. You know what I mean? It, yeah. Nothing right now, nothing will surprise me. You look at Genesis and, you know, the Bible it's like Mark of the Beast, 666. Like, how? What is what? Like, the, why is this so accurate? <laughs> why is this so accurate? And then if you study the evil people, then you really kind of know what's going on. So I'll digress again. So don't let me digress. So continue continue on your thought. I like where you're going.
2: The, the point is, is that <clears throat> all souls are trying to get back to God. And this creation has been created again and again and again to challenge us. You know, we are being challenged to see what we do with it. And and I agree, we're in some of the heaviest challenges of all time right now. You know, and this is even, if you go back to uh, Prophet Muhammad, a uh, piece of blessings be upon him, he said that uh, in his revelation when they were fighting for something underneath the sands of saudi arabia he said there's a time in the future they're all going to be fighting for what's underneath these sands and he said that's going to be the ending times that's going to be when when all this stuff comes through so even back then you know 1500 years ago they were talking about this time and he said that this time is going to be one of the most difficult times of humanity so from my opinion we're living in probably one of the most difficult times the human race has been to Okay, that being said, it's really no different than any other time, you know, you know what I mean? For each one of us, we're dealing with oppression, fear, control, separation, you know, you know I, I, it, it's always been tough, you know, if you go back to the French Revolution or you go back to Greek, you know, there it was always fighting and always oppression and always people doing things it has been going on forever. You know, so why? Because the human being needs to find truth, needs to find goodness, it needs to, in the face of hatred, to so love; in the face of pain, to find, to find caring, to find gentleness, to find forgiveness; uh, in the face of darkness, to bring light. You know, that's how God teaches us. So this system has been going on for forever. So I think that we just have to know that we are in a strong time, but we're not any different than any other time, really. And that those of us that that seek the highest, that seek, will seek to find the answers through the darkness of these times. And that answers our love and its beauty and its peace and its kindness and its truth and its wisdom and its knowledge and its being able to see and hear and understand the words of God and the world of divinity and to be able to realize the unity and the enlightenment and the freedom, that that is what it's about. We're all here to find that. So um, that being said, uh, we'll talk about those three upper stations. So in Sufism, uh, when you reach the fourth station, we would say you're a Sufi master. Okay, So fourth station means that you've reached the unity you, you are enlightened, you know, by, by Buddhist terms of enlightenment, you have enlightenment, your mind is enlightened. Um, your heart is also full of the oneness of God, and you're living in that state of divine proximity. Now, if you continue, then you go into what we call the world of the hidden. The hidden is kind of the world of how God works. So when you understand how God works, you begin to understand the nature of divine creation, how how God creates existence. And you actually begin to participate with it. God begins to teach you and make you part of it. And you become the hands of God. We say that the person in that that fifth station, they start to become the hands of God, the eyes of God, the ears of God, the, the feet of God. They're walking in God all the time. And if you complete that station, then you enter into the sixth station. That's where you become what I call a wisdom master. A wisdom master means that essentially the worlds of Gnostic revelation are opened. Gnostic inspiration. You're given access to wisdom about pretty much anything in existence. God can show it to you in a heartbeat. And so you under you can understand why somebody's sick. You can understand why. Something happens that, you know, you wouldn't even think of what it is. God can show it to you in one moment. And so the Gnostic, the sixth station, is, you know, very high level of really becoming a master. And then if you go further, you enter into the seventh station. We call that the station of the guide. When you enter the seventh station, you become a perfected master. So you have the, the Sufi master, you have the wisdom master, and you have the perfected master who enters into the state of carrying the pure reality of divinity. Now, really, you become, you. in a way, you become the word of God. In other words, God speaks through you, and you become the speaker for God. This is like the final station where God speaks through you because you're meant to guide and to help humanity evolve. So you're sent back, um, and you guide people through your words, through your... In- sight through your wisdom through the understanding that god gives you and that's the perfected master and that's of course the highest state that's the seventh level
0: wow that's that's incredibly fascinating and as a side note i'm curious what's the what's the bible of sufism
2: <laughs> there, there is, is there no there's no real bible uh you know sufism use everything i mean the, if you study any of the the religious texts You have to look deep. You know, the Quran has incredible teachings, the Bible, amazing, the Torah, unbelievable what's in there. You know, you have to be able to get through these texts to get to the truth that was revealed in them, you know, and also get through with the places people have changed them. A lot of these texts have been changed, you know, by people trying to control people. So you have to break through that stuff and get to the truth behind it. So I think the Sufi learns from everything. The the, tech, the textbook of the Sufi's creation itself, you know, learning from everything in creation.
0: And are okay. So, and are the Sufis sometimes the ones that wear the hat, tall hat? Yeah,
2: some of them do. Yeah.
0: So on that note, when I was talking to Carlos Barrios, my Mayan elder friend, if you go back to, uh, I don't know what episode it is, it's when I went to Guatemala and they were doing the Mayan fire ceremony, they had uh, opened up Tikal and they weren't allowed to do their ceremony there for about 20 years or something. So it was the first time since the genocide, they were allowed to do the Mayan fire ceremony. So I went back for that. And it was very fascinating. I learned a lot from Carlos. And one of the times we had a discussion, we went out for dinner and uh, he was talking about in his early days as a, as a teaching, he was out in Egypt, I think. And he met a bunch of Sufis and, um, he got invited to this place and they were all wearing those hat things and doing the circle dance. And he said, they started to levitate. And then when he told me that my face was like, "What?" It's like, Oh my God. And he goes, That's the face that I made. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, it does seem like um, there's enough of these stories to go around. And I I feel like it is a little bit like Dr. Strange, where we live in a society that just wants everything quick and easy and logical. And there is a path, you know, there is a spiritual path. It doesn't mean that you're going to become a master with special powers, although that would be great. Um, But what if that special power was... Uh, increased understanding and self-love for yourself, um, and connection with spirit, to create good in a community where you see that firsthand. Why is that not a special power enough? Right? It's like people want to do this meditation to reach enlightenment so that they're more powerful, but really enlightenment is more of a state of mind, a state of wholeness and connection that's given to you from spirit. That that's priceless, right? And, and so I feel like this culture that we live in—they want a very quick. They want it very easy. They don't want to do anything for it. And they also don't want to sacrifice anything for it. So, you know, to walk the path each and every day to live in alignment with yourself and, and ask the creator to, or God to be guided in a way that is supportive for your own spiritual growth and, and for the growth of humanity, I feel like is a, you know, important step. So I don't, you want to comment on that? I have no finisher.
2: <laughs> well, I, I, prefer, I think that's, that's exactly right. You know, they the ability to just discover love is a miracle in itself you know And to live love is an incredible way of living and then to reach awareness of the soul and be able to be in the spiritual world is incredible and that you know if you reach the world of god to live in that world is just you know there's nothing like it there's nothing you know there is nothing and it doesn't mean you have to have powers you don't have to be you know, levitating and doing all that stuff. What you just need to do is love, you know, and have the love and help. I think that's the greatest power of all. I really think, love. I, at the end of the day, I think love is the greatest power of all. And I was looking at uh, watching Harry Potter with my kids the other day, you know, and all these great masters, you know, you know, doing this and doing that, but behind it, confused, don't know what to do, don't know how to deal with it, the darkness is coming, you know, dark forces are more powerful. You know, it's like at the end of the day, having all these powers doesn't mean you have wisdom or love or the ability to bring peace. And that's in some ways, I think the highest, isn't it? Isn't the highest to be able to just bring the peace?
0: Yep, absolutely. And maybe that metaphor is almost a trick, right? It's almost a trick in materialism because we, we, we chase this materialism and sacrifice our soul and our integrity. And it's the same thing with these quote unquote powers, you know, and that's the benefit that I've had in my life is training in martial arts and having that understanding of mind, body, spirit, you know, it's like, yeah, it's really cool to know what your body is capable of. Right. But it isn't about, you know, going around busting heads. Although when you're a kid, you're thinking about it. and It might be a bit of a motivator, um, but adding that spiritual element, what, what are you capable of, but deep peace, uh, connection with God, you know that that's worth anything. It's like, hey, yeah, I can fly. You know, like that movie Hancock back in the day, which no one saw with Will Smith, um, or like a superhero power. I can fly, but I have no spiritual connection, and I'm miserable, and I hate everything. And um, I've seen I've seen people do this too. It, um, have extraordinary abilities, but they're also miserable. This is often in sports. Um, it's often in sometimes um, some you know yogis, right? People really like torture themselves to have these superhuman abilities that they think are supposed to be spiritual. But at the end of the day, they're left suffering because it was to acquire something. They, they did it to get right? And these gifts, if they are given to you, uh, they're given, they're just granted. And then you get to wield them as like, oh, wow, this was neat. This is unexpected. The, the real bread and butter is my connection with God and the creator in and that, in that inner world that I'm a part of as I experience this outer world. But now I've got like this new tool. It's almost like, you know, growing up and you're a kid and, you know, you're this child and God's like, yeah, I'll give you this car or I'll give you this tool, but you're still a child and you haven't earned it. And you just want things it's like daddy give me a Ferrari you know and that's like what's going on in the spiritual world you know give me the car give me the car it's like no you know you you don't deserve it yeah I'm grateful (laughs) but so I don't know what do you think of that (laughs) you got kids that happen to you
1: I do have kids that has happened to me I don't know what to say about that honestly (laughs) I think that's a part of growing up Um, you know we Again, we have, to, um, we have to understand what's needed you know, as, as adults and as uh, elders, you know, as we start to become elders, we have to know how to help our kids. We have to know how to help this world. There's you know, so much going on and you know, I've got a bunch of clients, their kids are suicidal, they're, you know, they're wanting to leave, they can't handle it. You know, how do you guide those children to be safe? You know how to have love and how do you how do you walk them through this time when you know they're getting beat up in school and everybody's so mean and everybody's putting them down and you know how do you teach them to be strong in who they are you know that's our job as elders we we have to help our children we have to help our children grow in the right way they have to be kind and loving and wise but they also have to be strong and capable you know fearless and, and able to stand for the truth that's our job so You know, I don't know. I think we it's not an easy work we have to do, but when we become a parent, we start to become part of that elder group. We're now shepherding these new lives. You know, we have to help them be the best they can be. So,
0: yeah, yeah. I definitely agree. It's, uh, they're great, they're great challenges. And maybe this is why I've become so much wiser in the last two years. I've just noticed my wisdom has just really peaked, you know, <laughs> no, that hasn't happened at all. I'm testing everything. I think I know. It's like, do I, do I know this? I don't, I don't know. Shoot. We'll see. That's but yeah, good. you know, but, but it, it is, it is a whole new testing ground. You know, um, I had Tim freak on a bunch of years ago and he said, when I had a daughter, it just tested what I thought spiritually, if it didn't apply to her and her life, then it wasn't something that I was going to use. Right. And so they're really fantastic teachers and there is a great deal of suffering and help that a lot of people need. And so if we can participate in some sort of way um, I kind of say, it's like a storm is here and you need a floating boat that works and you can save others, but yours has to be solid too because they are rocky times and that's going to give the opportunity for people to uh, have have an opportunity to do it themselves to give them a little reprieve a little help a little support and saying hey this is possible you know and so very very challenging times and um you know this has been wonderful i could talk to you all day this has been pleasant and uh you know your book as i went through the chapters often when i'm interviewing i'll go through the chapters of a book and just look at all the stuff that you have uh listed there so where can people find uh more about you And, and is there anything that you wish that we had we had talked about or anything you want to leave the listeners with them i'm happy to stay and listen
1: yeah um i mean you can find me at uh dr jaffe md.com d-r-j-a-f-f-e-m-d.com, D-R-J-A-F-F-E-M-D.com uh, or the institute of spiritual healing uh i think we're also at dot com or dot org i can't remember but uh, either one of those you can find find me there um the piece i want to end with has to do with kind of what you're talking about which is uh we do need a ship of safety. You know, and we are in very uh, turbulent times. And turbulent means that, you know, there's all sorts of forces that are trying to create all sorts of things on this planet and, and it's leading one way or another way. And you know, how do we how do we navigate through that without losing our connection and our joy and our spirits and our and the truth within our hearts? How do we navigate through this stuff? So we need help. And this, I know this is going to sound crazy, but for me, the the highest ship of safety are the teachings that are directly coming from God. In other words, what God brings through is exactly what's needed in any time, at any place, and it's protective and it's helpful and it will help you. And God will help you. So I, I what I want to say for people is, you know, learn to make that connection in yourself so that you get that guidance. Secondly, that there have been many great teachers on this planet, Jesus and Moses and Krishna and Muhammad and many great teachers. And all of those teachers, really, what they had was access into the divine. What they were really doing is bringing through divine revelation into this world. So really, we can learn from them as well. And not necessarily can we learn what people have done with them, because once they die, people change it and make it what they want. But when they're alive, those teachings are very real. And I'm, my teacher, Sidi, used to say, "If you knew the religion of God, you would see that all religions are the same. That there is only one religion. God doesn't change what God does because somebody's, you know, from a different part of the world. God's teachings are the same." And they're the teachings of love and the teachings of truth and the teachings of oneness and the teachings of beauty and peace. And that's for all people. So my statement is no matter what your religion is, whatever your truths are, whatever your spiritual paths are, if you really look deep and and you have that deepest connection to the one, you'll see that there's no difference. It's the same. And that's how we have to live. And I think as a group, if we start letting go of, these boundaries and instead we live from that place of of oneness the spirituality the religion of oneness i think we'll see a way of bringing peace on this planet it's going to come through that and i think we're being tested as a group so that we find that i think that's really what's going on with the time of separation has to end and this is how it's going to this is how it's happening so i hope people will look deep for their connection not get caught in separation and traditions and religions and this and that and the other thing and find the truth inside of it and i think if we do that then we have the real religion that's it and by the way that's what's going to heal you as well that's the source of all healing so that's my my final statement and i hope that uh, brings some value to your listeners
0: i love it very beautifully said i want to ask them for clarity what's what's what do you say the root of healing is
1: well, the root of healing comes from the knowledge of God. Mm. In other words, if God shows you um, something, I'll give you a, again. Can I tell you a story? Or you...
0: Yeah, no, I'm. I'll stay here all day. <laughs> I want to. Resi- You're on the boat. You're on boat time. So you know, your li- your life is good. <laughs> You're relaxing, <laughs> Florida boat time, and I'm in. I'm in lockdown, Toronto. Not a uh, lot of this. This is a treat for me.
1: <laughs> um,
0: okay. hey, yeah, gonna be coming down, coming down from some boat time anyway here if they let me out of the country. But yeah, yeah, please, yeah. please tell me your story. <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's great. I'm sorry you're locked down. That's rough. Uh, well, here's a story of a, a lady. She uh, she had a uh, cancer, skin cancer, and uh, she asked me to heal the skin cancer. And she went into the dermatologist and they cut it out. It was a, it was a basal cell. It wasn't a you know anything worse that got. And, uh, when she got it out, she had the feeling that something wasn't right. So she came to me she asked me for healing. Meantime, she went back in, they retested it. They found that, the, that this tumor had like uh, octopus tentacles that had kind of spread under the skin. It was kind of moving around in there. So she was kind of panicky about it, you know, because she was afraid she's going to die from this thing. It was a basal cellar, usually pretty benign. But anyway, she had a lot of fear around it. So, uh we started working on her issues. And you know she was seeing the physicians, she was getting help. They decided to do the Mohs procedure where they go in and they deeply cut out the whole thing, which I think was a good choice. So she went in to have that, she had that scheduled in about seven weeks. So in the meantime, she worked with me for seven weeks. And when we got into the tentacles of the, the disease, what we found was it was all about control was about control. She was feeling controlled by her parents. She would control others because that's what she learned. She felt that she was in control. She was safe, but she didn't have control. She was out of control. She wasn't safe. She's was going to get hurt. It's all about control. And eventually we got inside those images. And in the images, she hit a place where she said, I, I feel like I'm in this computer room. All I'm seeing are computers. I'm inside my mind, and I'm seeing how I'm the master controller of everything. And I said, "Well, you know, what does God show you with that?" She said, "I have to trust God that God's in control. It's not me." And that moment, she let it go. She she released it. And remember, I talked about that be beautification, that descent. Incredible light came in. It was just it was awesome. Like the whole room was just filled with brilliant light it was almost like you couldn't even open your eyes and It was so bright and then it went right into the tumor it was in her shoulder and just kind of exploded like the shoulder exploded with light and this light came inside of her but she went in for the procedure a week later tumor disappeared you know it was completely gone again so what we found was that you protect the people you help you protect the people, you know, medicine, you, you work with it, you need to protect them. But you need that ship of safety. But once they connected to that divine light, and God showed her that I'm in control, not you, trust me, they let go of your humanity, trust in something bigger than you. And she let go of her own personal control. And she trusted divinity, that beautiful light came down and exploded it, and disease disappeared. I would say probably almost immediately. So, <laughs> this is what I'm saying about when I say, we have to learn to connect to that light. We have to be guided by it. We have to live with it. Ultimately, we have to merge with it. We have to become one with it. When you do that, God will take you under God's hand. You, God will take you by your hand. God will become your direct teacher. And God will evolve you and take you into the oneness into the unity into those seven stations and you'll you will arrive. You'll have the arrival and you will be an incredible force of good on this planet, because wherever you go you'll bring goodness to everybody who come. And again, this is ultimately what we're all here doing we're all here trying to get to those states, but we have to learn to trust in that light to trust in that guidance and not to listen to our minds and ourselves and you know all that stuff listen to the one that's the secret that's the way through
0: amazing beautiful i'm glad you shared that last story that's that's ridiculous i'm sure you have so many more though so uh that's, that's incredibly powerful stuff. I've enjoyed this entire podcast. I hope everybody listening um, did and will check out your book. Cause like I said, I went through it. It looks incredible. And I love how the, you know, the root messages is, is getting your connection to the creator. And I think maybe as I mature in this uh evolution of myself wanting a deeper connection with spirituality it's like this simple thing that's there like have god as your master teacher stupid <laughs> you know why does it take you so long to figure out stupid things man but you know we, as long as you you know one put one foot in, in uh in front of the other i always call it my dumb dumb brain you know i always i only, I only know like a little bit so you know, put. Put your faith in the creator and it's the smartest thing you can do and and whether it's a small thing you're working on or a big thing right it's always going to come back to that because it is ultimately surrender you you could go down um you know, go down the street and get smoked by a car. You know, you could live in Canada, get locked down and, but then you could be in Florida and have these crazy bio mosquitoes come out. So we don't know what's going on. So God's going to have to do something about those stupid things too. So, (laughs) so this is a wild and wacky world, but uh, I appreciate you and and coming on the show and uh, for everything you're doing.
1: Yeah. Thank you. You're a wonderful human being. And uh, you have the rare gift of wanting to learn, you know, it's a beautiful gift and I, I hope you share that and, People learn to learn through you and uh, through what you're bringing them. And thank you for bringing that to the people.
0: Oh, My pleasure. Well, it's great to be connected. Uh, we'll stay connected as we move through this. So hopefully we'll be in, like I said, better times where, you know, I'm doing my trips down to Florida. That's, that we have, what do you call us? Snowbirds? You're probably annoyed by the Canadians coming down and just messing up your nice little neighborhoods, but you know, <laughs> I'll be there soon enough for a visit. Come pick me up on your boat. <laughs>
1: Uh, you're welcome welcome to come down and we love canadians you're welcome all of you're welcome don't you know you're not getting turned away by me or any of us you're welcome.
0: awesome sounds good well thanks so much for today and, and for your work in the world we'll uh, stay connected and thanks everybody for watching
2: thank you blessings peace
0: Bye. and blessings there you have it, ladies and gentlemen, the absolutely extraordinary Dr. Ibrahim Jaffe. I hope that you enjoyed it. And if you did, please share it as far and as wide as you can. Please leave a review. Do anything you can to promote this podcast or this episode or anything because we are under are overcoming absolutely extraordinary censorship from oh, probably going to be deleted from YouTube. I haven't been able to upload there in a few weeks again on Second Strike. Uh, Patreon threatening to delete the account if I don't delete episodes with these uh incredible doctors. So it is absolutely bonkers. The best thing to do, go to mattbelair.com. You're going to sign up and become a member. You can do so by donation if you can, or for free if you need. Just hit me up, mattatzenathlete.com. Would love to get you in there. You're going to get access to uncensored episodes, exclusive content, and all kinds of great stuff. If you're in a transition and you really want to get clear and know within your heart, your soul, your being, your cells, who you are, who you came here to be, you want to live your life purpose in complete alignment and strength and connection with spirit, check out the Soul Compass course. Check out the Quantum Heart Hypnosis audios, which are designed specifically for that. It's extraordinary what one audio can do. And if you want to go a step further and you really want support walking this path, because it's not so difficult to know who you are and what you're made to do, that's that. You can actually figure that out kind of quick. It's challenging to walk the path. If you want support walking that path, I have support for you as well. Go to mattbelair.com forward slash coaching. We'd love to help you assist. So if you have no idea what you want to do, um, we can bring you all the way down the line to uh, knowing exactly, um, you know, what's going to come from your heart and your soul and the most authentic part of you and help you architect that life for you, your family and your friends as we navigate these times. So thank you so much for uh, listening to this episode. Please do what you can to share. I would love to hear from you. And um, that's it. So let's wrap it up by coming into a state of peace and coherence wherever you are in the world, just stop what you're doing. Take in a deep breath in through your nose. Hold that breath and let it out slowly filling every cell, every muscle and every fiber of your being with peace, contentment, power, courage, inspiration, connection, and ready to enjoy the rest of your day. So thank you so much for listening. And we'll see you in the next episode.